0: Welcome to Anchor Church. Uh, for those of you that are visiting, my name is Adrian Wright. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we just love what God is doing in our midst. We just love what God is doing in our hearts, and, and uh, we're into a new year, and many of you may be pumped about the fact that 2018 is over. How many of you are happy to see 2018 go and for it to be done, um, and you're looking forward to a great year? Um, Although every uh, year comes with this distinct hurdle that must be overcome in order to enter into the rest of this great year that we're looking forward to, and that hurdle is January, okay? Um, So January can be a tough time. How many of you have have prayed, Lord, deliver us from evil, and January, okay? When you have to uh, drive over your toothpaste to get the last little bit out, and you have to, you know, if... If, if January were to have a slogan, I was thinking of slogans for January, I came up with three. The first one is, how expensive can stationery be? Like, why does stationery cost so much money? Because each pencil is only like a, you know, a rand or two, but go and ring it up and you owe thousands. Um, uh, another one is, I think my gym pants have shrunk. Uh that's, that is a common occurrence. And then finally, I don't care if you're sick of two-minute noodles. It's all we've got, okay? <laughs> so that's January, and you might be feeling, um, even though we want to be excited about the year, and um, you know, for a lot of people, we celebrate the arrival of each new year uh, and hope that the next 12 months will just be kind to us, um, it often belies the sense of stress and anxiety that we all feel going into the new year. And a lot of us lie... Um, lie asleep at night thinking to yourselves, I'm not ready. Uh, you know, it came too quickly, like, I'm not ready, can we start over, can we go back to December, and like, can I just prepare properly for the year? And uh, many of us are kept up at night with questions like, will I have enough? Will I be able to provide? Will I, will I have what it takes? Will I be able to do enough? Will I become enough? Will everything turn out Okay. And, uh, and will we become who we need to be, who our families need us to be, and who our communities need us to be, and who our children need us to be? Can we be the people that God has called us to be? And that is why we wanted to start this year as a church declaring the truth of God over your life, speaking courage and hope into your heart and, and, and helping you remember where our faith lies, where we look to, where our help comes from. We wanted to encourage you in these first few weeks as we, as we uh, move towards our Vision Sunday. Um, we want to speak about these things, and, and we want to declare this truth over God's life, about His, His great love. We want to demonstrate the great love that He has for you in our series that we're starting today for the next three weeks is developing a culture of courage. Everybody say Courage. I believe this year we're going to develop a culture of courage, a culture of faith, a culture of prayer, a culture of action, a culture that doesn't reason things out to the nth degree any longer, but takes God at His word and simply steps up into everything that God has declared over our lives. This is going to be a year of courage for you. And if I have a word for you in 2019, what I believe that God is speaking to me about our church and about us as individuals is that in this year, we will become more like what God has intended for us to be than any other year before. This is your year. This is the year that you are going to step up. This is the year that you are no longer going to make excuses. This is the year that you're going to take God at his word. This is the year that you're going to see breakthroughs in your life that you've been praying over and longing for and and asking for. And I believe that it is going to happen not by God just doing uh, external miracles, but internal miracles inside of our hearts. Where he is going to shape some things and break some things and open some things and challenge some things. If you're looking for a comfortable church, 2019 might not be the best place to be at Anchor Church because uh, as Pastor Mike Petzer said, and we love this, he says, we are here to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable, and we might want to disturb some of your comfort this year so that you may become the things that you've always longed to be but never been able to be because nobody's encouraged you or pushed you or challenged you to be those things. What I know for this year is that we do not want to just set up a church where people come and have a nice service on a Sunday and they feel great and, and, uh, and then they leave and, and it has no impact on their lives. This is about us becoming something, a people of God, a, a, a holy nation set aside for what it is that he wants to do. And I want to encourage you this year, if you do one thing, it's simply to surrender your heart to him. To simply to say, okay, Lord, not my comfort, not my pleasure, not what I feel I need, not what I think is right, but what you declare over my life, that's what I want. How many of you want what God wants over your life this year? Come on, that is something we've got to decide for ourselves. Do you want it? Do you want what God wants for your life? Because so many times we reject what he wants to give us and we don't understand the blessings that we miss out on as we we fail to have the courage to take God at his word. And so for the next three weeks, I'll be talking about the courage to believe, which I'll be talking about today, the courage to believe the courage to pray and the courage to live. That we're going to develop a culture of courage, and we're going to face every single scenario, every single whether it's in your in your marriage, whether it's in your your family, your children, um, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's at church, whatever it is, we're going to face it with courage this year. Amen. And we're going to we're going to take God at His word and trust that He is with us, and uh, and move and to, to become all that God has intended for us to be. And I really believe that that, uh, that is what God is going to do. And here's the great thing. We get to do it together. We get to do it together. We're not asking you to do it on your own. This is not self-help. We're not asking you to run out and read a bunch of books about how to diet better or exercise better or you know, read more or, or, or whatever our other um, resolutions you might have for the year, all of which are great. But this is going to be us relying on the grace of God, surrendering, surrendering ourselves to Him completely, and then walking with one another, encouraging each other, discipling each other to become who God intended us, for to, us to be. And, and, and I really just had, you know, so much. God was downloading so much in my spirit over the, the, the short break we took in the last two weeks. Um, and, uh, and, and it was so much that I actually struggled to put a message together because, you know, which, where do I start? You know, all the things that God downloaded to me. But what I realized that it is, is that it is possible to be a church that draws a crowd and disappoints Jesus at the same time. So many people ask, what, 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 do, what do people want in a church? If we had to make a list today and say, what do people want from church? They would say that there should be an air con that doesn't make a noise. Some of you are asking for that right now. And you know, this is strategic. We just want you to get a taste of what hell feels like so that you would definitely not want to go there. Um, but, uh, but some of like, if the air conditioning isn't perfect, if the seating isn't perfect, if the, if the, if the kids are you. sometimes people expect churches to be born and then be like, you know, like a child being born and expecting it to do like equations instantly. You know, we're on a journey. We're becoming what God intends for us to be, but there's a process of growing and learning and, 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 and being able to do those things, but people choose church the way that they choose everything else in their lives, what's comfortable for me? What do I enjoy? You know, like, I love what Francis Chan said, and I mentioned this before when people say, you know, I really didn't enjoy worship today, and uh, he replied and said, well, that's okay because we weren't worshiping you. It wasn't for you, right? We want to be the kind of church that really worships Jesus. When we stand here, it's not just religion. We're not just singing, but we're connecting. We're pouring our hearts out to a true God. And we want to be a church that doesn't just say, well, what do people want? And what are all the comforts that they want ticked off before they feel that they are ready to commit? And then if we fail them somehow, which we inevitably will, then they'll go off to find somebody who does it better. We don't want to do that this year. We want to ask, what does Jesus want from the church? And well, how does he want all of us to be involved? How does every joint supply so that the body is built up in love? How do we fulfill his mandate that he's put on our church in this city to reach people, to love people, to help people, to, to see people step into salvation and a new life and their calling, their destiny that God has for them? How do we accomplish that this year rather than saying, what, can, what are the gimmicks that we can work on to to, to get a full building. A full building would be great. Um, you know, multiple services would be great, and we, we're most likely going to have to do that this, this year. Our own building would be awesome. Please keep praying for that. Um, and, and, and who knows what God will do. But before we do any of that, we don't need that to fulfill the mandate of God on our lives and on our church. What we simply need is a bunch of people who said, I'm not here for my comfort. The highest end of my life is not my happiness and pleasure, but the purposes of God. And you know that the Bible says it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so, you know, some people come to church simply to receive. All they do is receive. And if all you do is receive, you will be dissatisfied because you're not receiving the full blessing of God. And then you're like, I don't like this. And and you'll, you'll go to 10 churches and dislike every one of them. You know why? Because you don't understand why nobody's able to meet your needs in exactly the right way, but it's because your needs can only be met fully. You can only experience the full blessing of church when you begin to give. Not just financially, but of yourself, of your time, connecting with others, your relational energy and virtue to start discipling people and start to, to walk with them and start to help them see Jesus, and, and where you begin to use your gifts and your talents and your abilities to build the body of Christ, that's when you begin to experience the fullness. Until then, I guarantee you will be dissatisfied. And nothing we do, doesn't matter how great our kids' program is, and we work on these things all the time, no matter how awesome our worship is, no matter how great the coffee is, nothing will be able to satisfy you until you start giving. Then you'll start to realize, oh, this is what it's actually all about. So we want to be a church that fulfills that mandate on our lives that every single person has a role to play Every single cell in this body functions according to the instructions that God has written on it before the beginning of time. And you're here for this moment in this season because God is more for your life for you to experience. And none of what I just said was in my notes, so let me get to it. So we're going to do it together was my point. (laughs) We're going to do this together. We're going to do it together, every single person. We're going to develop a culture of courage. You say, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I'm ready for that level of commitment. That's why you need courage. It takes courage to step up. It takes God's grace for us to fulfill what he calls us to do. And so I'm going to go to a classic verse on courage. And I want to encourage you this year to buy a Bible, a physical one if you don't have one to buy some pens and to actually write in it and to study the Word. That's how you're going to experience the passion of God burning on the inside of you. The more you read the Word, the more it stirs you up to do all that God has called you to do. If you're not reading it, then it's no wonder you're struggling to follow it because it's not there to stir you. The Spirit works through it. It's living and active. So I want to encourage you to take your Bibles, and I want to encourage you to open up at Joshua 1. I'm sure there's no prizes uh, for guessing that I would go to that Scripture Um, But Joshua chapter number 1 today. And uh, this is just a time where God calls um, Israel out of Egypt for 40 years. They wandered the desert. And uh, we pick up in Joshua 1 where Moses, the servant of God, has died on Mount Nebo. and, uh, And now God calls Joshua to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, crossing the river Jordan, and, uh, and, it's a, and it's a massive task for them, and it's a new season. And I believe 2019 is a new season for our church. It's a new season for your life. And uh, in Joshua 1, I'm going to read from verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And in verse 9, the famous verse says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm going to pray for us, and I'm just going to share three thoughts out of that uh, verse there. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for the calling of God on our lives, for the, the salvation of Jesus, that we are one with you and you are one with us, that we abide in you and you abide in us. We know that apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord, but with you, all things are possible. We thank you, God, for a culture of courage to rise up in our hearts, a culture of faith, a culture of prayer, a culture, a way of living, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, that you're doing it in us, Lord, and we thank you for all the things that you're preparing us for. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, "Amen, amen." So um, I don't know if you've ever gotten stuck in traffic, only to realize that the traffic is was caused by a police block. Have you ever that happened? Like you come around the corner and you're like, "What is all this traffic about?" And you realize, "Oh my gosh, they've blocked off the off ramp, and you're gonna have to drive past the police." And all of a sudden, when that happens, you become so self-aware. Any of you become self-aware driving through police blocks? You're like my hands. What do I do with my hands? Like you reach down to pick up your cell phone. You're like, um, they probably think I'm reaching for a gun. You know, it's like, where do I look? Have you ever wondered, do I look, do I look at them? Is that, is that what non-criminals do? Like look at the police or, or do you stare straight ahead? Like, which is more suspicious? Like, um, just, let me go, let me go through it. So, so you sometimes like become so aware going through a police block because you don't know where to do, you don't, where to look. You don't know if you should make eye contact or not. And, and, and by the time you reach the front, you're like, oh, God, I'm going to jail. Like, I don't even know if I'm guilty. Um, am I a criminal? I can't remember, you know, like, but I just feel like it's all over for me now because I have no clue what to do with myself as I drive through this roadblock. And, um, and, and uh, you know, it amazes me how oftentimes we can just live life with this guilty conscience. Like, we don't have confidence. You have confidence until you, you know, you, you come to a, a roadblock or until your boss calls you and Have you ever received a text from your boss? My boss used to uh, text me, come see me, and then just his initials. Like that is, I mean, that's gangster. <laughs> like I have your number saved on my phone, you're my boss. Like you don't have to put your initials like that, it's intimidating, okay? Um, and when your boss sends you a message, come see me with these initials, then you think to yourself, and oftentimes it's not what have I done wrong, but what of the things that I've done wrong does he know about? You know, like, what am I in trouble for on this occasion? And we often find that we have the same sense with God, like we want to pray, we want to connect, we want to live boldly, we want to be courageous, but we think, what has God got against us? What is it that we're still guilty of? What is it that we are still carrying around? What are the things that, um, that would uh, inhibit our prayers or keep God from being able to bless us and work in our lives. And so many of us do not have courage, do not have boldness, do not have the strength to step out because we're still not 100% convinced of who we are in Jesus and what our righteousness is. We're still not 100% convinced of the fact that Jesus died on the cross, taking care of all of our sin and making us, causing us to become the righteousness of God by our faith in him. That there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as it says in Romans 8.1. And so many of us have still not got that revelation of the love of God, how much he cares about you. We sang it in that song this morning that he is madly in love with you. But with an undying, steadfast, unconditional kind of love. And we're just not convinced. And if you're not convinced of your righteousness before God or the love of God for you, you won't have confidence before him or before others. That's why Paul said, if my conscience does not condemn me, I have confidence towards God. Too many of us are condemned in our conscience. And that's why this uh, verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 28, 1, a well-known verse says, the wicked flee when no one pursues. No one's even chasing them and they're running. They're constantly looking over their shoulders because it's their own guilt. It's their own sense of condemnation that eats at them and makes them feel unworthy. But it says, but the righteous, and we know that righteousness is not of works, lest any man would boast. It is the free gift of God through Jesus, but the righteous are bold as lions. When you know who you are in Jesus, there is a boldness and a courage that rises up in your life that allows you to do things that are impossible for you to do. You know, when people often say to me, like, I can't do this, you know, I would like to remind them that you never could do it. God is never going to call you to something that you can do, because then you wouldn't need Him. Then it would be fleshly. When God calls us to be uh, husbands to our wives, or wives to our husbands, or parents to our children, or, 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 or people who serve God in, in whatever capacity, when we are called to do those things, we know that we are not capable and we need to be dependent upon him. So God will call you to do the impossible, and you therefore need to have a revelation of who you are in Jesus, and how much he loves you. We need to have the courage, and that's why this message is entitled, Courage to Believe. The courage to believe. In a culture of courage, the first thing that you need to do is to start believing what God has called you. Believing what he has done for you. Believing who you are in him. Because without that understanding, you will not have courage in any other area. It's where it all begins. What has he declared over your life? Who has he caused you to be? Charles Spurgeon said that right believing leads to right living. Some of us want to live right and then become what we need to become. But you can't. You need to believe right first. And when you know who you are in Jesus, and you're operating in the power of the Holy Spirit because of this uncluttered channel between you and God, that you are as a a, a child of God, then all of a sudden you have courage to live out the rest of your life. So the righteous, those that are truly righteous, know the love of God. They know the faithfulness of God. They know the, the power of God, and therefore they are very bold. When I got a new Bible um, at the end of last year, um, the first verse that I wrote in the front of the Bible is 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. I love this verse. It says, since we have such a hope, talking about the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are very bold because of this hope that we have. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient, this is just a few verses earlier, it explains why we're very bold. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves. You see, some of you are still looking to yourself to be sufficient, and therefore you don't have courage. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. And he goes on to say, who has made us ministers of reconciliation, He's made us ministers of the good news. So some of you are like, I can't share my faith, I can't help others. I can't be in a position to be or have impact in the kingdom. Well, you never could have. You were never. You could never have been sufficient in and of yourself. But in Christ, our sufficiency is there. It's settled. It's done. Our sufficiency is from God. If I'm looking for confidence in my own strength, I can only be one of two things. If you are looking for confidence in your own strength, you can only be one of two things either disillusioned or delusional, right? You'll either be completely disillusioned or you are completely delusional and you need God's grace to reveal your true state to you so that you can accept his grace. But confidence in the flesh, you know, the Bible tells us again and again, put no confidence in it. There's nothing good that dwells in us. And so if we're gonna develop a a culture of courage in 2019, we need to first and foremost have the courage to believe that God is real and that he is present and that he is involved and that his love for you is steadfast and that his grace is sufficient and that he is in control. So I'd like to say to you, um, and I believe that God says to all of us, just as he said to Joshua, walking into a new season and into a new land, a place that perhaps you've never been to before, that you've never visited before, the words of God echoing to us, have I not commanded you, be strong and very courageous? Have I not commanded you in 2019, Anchor Church, to be strong and to be courageous? Some of you are thinking, how can God command me to have courage? Isn't courage something that you either have or you don't have? How can he give it to me as an instruction? And how can you tell somebody, don't be scared if they're scared? How can he do that? How can he instruct us? You ask questions like, does God like, know me? He's saying, don't be scared, but does he know me? Does, does he know what I struggle with? Does he know my flaws? Does he, has, he, has he seen what I've been through? Does he, does he know my personality? How can he tell me to just be courageous? And the answer is, of course he does. He knows everything about you, but he does not base his command for courage on your ability. He bases it instead on his presence. We are taking courage, but not in ourselves. We are full of courage because he is with us. I will be with you wherever you go. And so there are three reasons why you can be strong and very courageous in 2019. And the first one is that God is with us. God is with you. He is present in your life. We spend way too much time focusing on all the reasons why we can't instead of the one reason why we can. And it's in Joshua 1 verse 9, as I said, Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He says in a verse earlier, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus says in the New Testament at the end of Acts, as he ascends into heaven, he says, And lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. That's a promise that he has made, and he has been present, and he is present in every moment and every day, even if you don't realize that he's, that he's present, he's there. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. He's not fickle in his presence. It's something we can depend on, and so when you're going through life, when you're taking steps, when you face difficult situations this year, guess what? He's with you. He directs your, your footsteps. He, he, he reminds you of the words of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is present. You are, you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't reason out and try and figure out our journey for the year, counting the reasons why we can't, but, but just take God at his word this year. Just trust in his presence and just go where he calls us to go. Don't look to yourself, but look to him. In Matthew 10:19, 19, uh, you know, the, the church, the early church were, were often uh, faced major persecution and disruption to their lives as a result of their faith, and this still happens all over the world. In many parts of the world, there is huge persecution faced by churches that, w- that we don't face here in South Africa to that extent, and, and, and in many other Western countries we don't face, but, but there are certain places where you would literally be put to death for being a Christian. And people would worry, what do I say if I go before the, the rulers, if I'm brought, if I'm handed over, if I'm arrested, what do I say, what do I do? And in Matthew ten nineteen, Jesus says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Some of you are worried about a job interview you're going to, you're like, what? I hope I don't mess it up, I hope I don't say the wrong thing. Don't worry about it, because you're not going into it alone. Some of you are worried about how you're going to take your marriage to a healthier place this year. Don't worry about it. you're not doing it alone. Some of you are wondering how you're going to cope with the stress of parenting this year. This year. You're not doing it alone. How are you going to take your business to a new level or to a new place? You're not doing it alone. He is with you in every single area, in every single season. And he says to us not to rely on our own strength, but on his grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And in John 16, 33, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You see, how many of us have already lost sleep over this year? And he says, in, in, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. He's victorious, and we are victorious in him. So my one resolution, if, you know, I don't always make New Year's resolutions. Um, some of them, I just, how many of you do this? You just carry them over from last year. Like, you're like, yeah, yeah that definitely didn't happen. And so you just carry them over. Um, and, uh, and so I don't make many, but my one resolution this year is to just stand more in awe of him. Because so many times we're trying to figure it out in our own strength. Stand in awe of him. Make his presence your prize. Make his presence your prize. Treasure the presence of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Spend time reading the word and time in speaking to him and fellowshipping with him. Make that your your treasure this year. The Bible says he will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. If you've lost peace, keep your mind on him, on his faithfulness, on his goodness. And further than that, I want to do whatever he tells me to do. I know that his ways and his words are life. And when we do what God says, they are life to us. When last did you ask God, legitimately, when last did you go before the Lord in prayer and ask him the question, God, what do you want from my life? When last did you come to that level of submittedness and surrender where you just go before him and say, Lord, my life is yours. Lead me as you please. We need the courage to believe. We need the courage to surrender. And we can do it because he doesn't leave us or forsake us. We do it by his grace. The second thing, so the first reason is because he's present. That's why we have courage. The second reason is because we have a great calling. We have a great calling. How many of you know that you don't need courage to sit on the couch eating potato chips and watching soccer all day? Unless you're married, and then that's the bravest thing you could possibly do as a man. But we don't just have bravery for the sake of bravery. Oh, let's be brave. Yay, let's high five. You're brave, I'm brave, we're all brave. No, we're brave because we have a mission. Because we've been given a task. Because it's going to cost us something. Because it's going to require a price because we have a calling. In Second Timothy 1 verse 9, it says, he who saved us and called us to a holy calling, a sacred calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. So you didn't even earn that calling, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, before you were even on this earth, God determined that calling for you. And so now, we do not want to waste our lives missing out on the calling of God, because we're too busy running after our own comforts and ideas, we want to wholeheartedly and passionately give ourselves courageously to the calling of God. Like the scripture says in Revelation, I believe it is, or somewhere in the scriptures it speaks about how they did not love their own lives to death. We're called to not love our own lives, but to love the life that God has for us. To love the lives of those around us. When God reached into your life, he did it with a distinct purpose and plan. Paul speaks about this. And he says that I I have made it my purpose to pursue the reason for which Christ pursued me. When he stepped into your life, it's because there was a reason. He had a calling. He had a plan. So if you believe in Jesus today, there's a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. There's a mission that he wants to accomplish through you and through us as a church. And we're pursuing that purpose together. How many of us have lost sight of the sanctity and the weight of our calling? We've made things like worship matters of preference. They're just commonplace activities that we we fulfill. And I come back to this idea that people often treat church like, like a McDonald's window, where you make your order and you drive up and you say, Can I have everything? I ordered this and I ordered that. And, and you know, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when it is the hottest day in summer and you go to McDonald's for ice cream, they will never have ice cream because you wanted it today. And we drive away and we say, Well, then I'll go somewhere else because you're not giving me what I want. It's a completely consumeristic type of religion. But we are determined not to diminish the bride of Christ to a short order cook. Replicating a formula to keep people happy. Our desire is to make brave, passionate and committed disciples of Jesus. People who do not love their lives to death but will give themselves to something bigger than themselves because God has more for your life. God says to Joshua in Joshua 1:2. Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, the people of Israel. There's a mission. There's a call. Be courageous because I have a mission for you. We have a great call. We have a great God, and therefore, we need to have great courage. The final thing this morning is that his promises are true. We can have courage because God is present, because we have a great calling, and because his promises are true you know that God has made promises concerning your life and your future and his involvement, concerning his church. And the scriptures say that God is not a man that he should lie. Everything that he has promised and that he promised regarding Jesus and sending of his son and the Messiah, it's all come to pass. We have the deposit of the Holy Spirit. It's the the guarantee that there is a life to come. How do we know? We experience his presence. His Holy Spirit. He's already fulfilled so many of his promises. Why would he not fulfill the rest? In Joshua 1 verse 8 it says, The book of the, the, book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night that you, and, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. But the New Testament says in Second Corinthians 1 verse 20, All the promises of God find their yes in him. And through Christ, our amen, which means it shall be so, ascends to God to his glory. So we no longer have to fulfill the law in order to receive God's blessing. Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf, and all that's left for us is to walk in that blessing by faith. And that blessing has purpose behind it and has something that God will propel us and compel us to do as we live out his purpose. So you don't need to... Fulfill every law in the Old Testament before God can bless you. You need to stand in the finished work of Jesus and understand that you are already blessed. That you have a resounding yes. The New Testament, or the, the New Living Translation in the, of that verse says, in Christ we have a resounding yes. It says, the previous verse says, in Him we don't have yes and no. Like, yeah, okay, maybe. But a resounding yes. Do you know that Jesus has said Yes, over your life. And every promise God has ever made is already yours because of the grace of Jesus. It's already yours. The finished work of the cross means that there is no promise that God is unwilling or unable to fulfill concerning your life. If his promises are true, then our future is secure. And so what are we to do? We're to proclaim his word. Let it not depart from your mouth. Speak the word and his truth and his promises over your life and not all the negativity that you so often profess, that we so often profess. Meditate on it day and night. Let it be your bedrock. Let it be your foundation of courage. Why am I co- courageous? Because God is with me. We just put two pictures up in our, in our bedroom that says, Be still. One says be, and the other one says still. But it's such a great reminder, because when you wake up in the morning, you think, okay, if I don't don't do this, and if I don't do that, and if I don't, and the scripture says, just be still and know that I am God. In other words, put your faith in him, rest in his goodness, and know that God is working on your behalf. He says to Joshua, no man will be able to withstand you. We serve a mighty warrior, God, and he fights our battles for us. And then he says, so that you may be careful to do all that it it commands you to do. So we speak his word, we meditate on his word, and we obey his word. We can do this because 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-control. He's given us that power and love and a sound mind. So let's go into 2019, knowing that his perfect love drives out all fear, standing on on his promises in faithful expectation, stepping up with courage to answer his call and having the courage to trust him like never before. I'm gonna end with Joshua 1 verse 3. He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you just as I promised. He's talking about what God has ordained. God had ordained that land for them. And there are things that God has ordained for your life, a calling and and an effectiveness and a blessing for your life. It's preordained. And what you need to do is walk in it. And as you walk in it, you realize it's already yours because he's done all to give us what he intended for us to have through the person of Jesus. So you're already blessed in 2019, more than what you can understand. And we're going to develop the courage this year to walk in all that God has for us. And I'll, be keep, I'll keep talking on this subject um, for the next few weeks as we lead to our Vision Sunday, which is on the 27th of January, um, where we can have the courage to step up and to, and to answer the call of God on our lives. So um, I'm, 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 I'm encouraged, and I hope that you are encouraged. And I love that word, encouraged. You have more courage, hopefully, now than you did when you got here this morning. And, uh, and we're going to keep encouraging you as God leads us. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to ask you just to stand for us this morning. We're just going to pray.